It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball! What up, welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Thursday, December the 5th. And a little fight in the Pistons tonight, but another blowout loss to the Bucks. This is your boy, Matt Shook, the host of the Locked on Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering the NBA for the Detroit News and Associate Press Pistons fan and follower my whole life just like y'all and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for the listen. Thanks for spreading the word about the Locked on Pistons podcast. That's how we grow. It's a free podcast. That's all we ask of you let us join you on the commute, the morning grind, the gym, maybe at the desk job, at work, wherever you listen. We appreciate you guys walking the dog, wherever you do it. But today, we're going to be running down the details from Wednesday night in downtown Detroit, LCA. Another loss to Milwaukee. I'll give you my three biggest takeaways from this game. And we're also going to talk about an exiting tenant from Little Caesars Arena and my thoughts on that. Give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H. Another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons Dash. Matt Shook. But the Pistons lose on Wednesday night, 127-103 to the Milwaukee Bucks. What else is new on both fronts? 13 straight victories for the Milwaukee Bucks. The best and longest winning streak for them since the early 1970s. The Pistons, meanwhile, 8-14 and on the season. The two-game win streak, it was so nice. It was so beautiful. The first two-game win streak of the season, in an impressive fashion, by the way. That's broken. Pistons now 1-4 in the second game of a back-to-back this season, and 0-4 on a rest disadvantage in that time. Their one win was in Brooklyn, was also on a second game of a back-to-back. So 0-4 in true Sega Baba situations, and it was the second time that the Pistons, out of two games this year, have played the Bucks in those second games of back-to-backs. Pistons now tied for 10th place in the Eastern Conference with Chicago. Pistons have just eight wins and they're six games under 500. Not where you want to be when those numbers are close to each other. You never want to have the same amount of wins or close to the same amount of wins as you are games under 500. I remember over the summer when the Tigers got past that mark and then of course it got worse and worse and worse. But hopefully the Pistons soon can put that number far in the windshield behind uh, the, the rearview mirror, I guess is a better way of putting it. I know cars, trust me. Uh, big Detroiter here. But um, put that in the rearview f- well behind us, hopefully soon. But it's bad that those numbers are this close together as we head into December. A number that's encouraging, I guess, is that they're just two and a half games out of the playoffs right now behind Orlando. 
the Pistons playing well, playing better at times with Blake Griffin back in the lineup. Maybe Reggie Jackson coming back in a couple few weeks might help the cause as well. But man, tenuous season so far. Uh, the margin is slim when you got such a mediocre roster right now. I will tell you how they can get back to the playoff picture, but t- a spoiler alert, it probably ain't going to happen. But in this one on Wednesday, the Pistons led 24-22 to after one, which felt like a big victory against this juggernaut of Milwaukee Bucks team. 23 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, and 2 steals from one Andre Drummond. A good game from him, hard dunk on Giannis Antetokounmpo and Robin Lopez in the first quarter. 11 of 17 from the field for the big man who played well for the second time in as many games. Another excellent game for Andre Drummond. The same amount of field goal attempts from Blake Griffin, 17, except Blake only made four of them. Still managed to get 16 points in a game that wasn't a good one for Blake. There was some good. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But 20 points for Langston Galloway. Uh, the third best player on the Pistons most of the season. I mean, consistently, Luke Kennard had a, a great start to the season. Obviously, Derrick Rose has had some good games as well. But, man, Langston Galloway doing work. Certainly one of the top five Pistons, uh, certainly. Uh, and, and, again, you could make a, a decent argument for higher up the chain, even higher than Blake, given that how many games he's missed. But uh, Langston, four of five from three, just unreal for him so far this year. Again, December 15th coming up. Get on the phone, see who needs a three-point shooter around the NBA. 14 points and five assists from Derrick Rose as well. He played very well early in the game. Uh, Notable, and I should do this more often, is pass along the lowlights from the box score, the lowlights of the uh, stat situation for the Pistons. And uh, none other than my guy, Bruce Brown. We'll start it off with with my own guy. We'll take the L here. But uh, put up the donut, zero points in 21 minutes. On this one, and also another one of my guys, Svima Kailuk, he started, had a tough time, six points in 28 minutes for him. The threes came, I believe, in the second half for him. And Luke Kennard, also notable, because he missed the game. He was out with a knee injury. Sounds like he's okay, more of a load management situation, but we kind of said the same thing about Derrick Rose earlier this season that he missed four or five in a row. But the Pistons, 11 of 36 from three, 30.6%. And I'm not saying that this is an excuse for losing a game and just, oh, Good shooting, you win. Cold shooting, you lose. Uh, You can win games shooting poorly, shooting below average, league average, your own average. The proof of that is that the inverse of how bad the Pistons have been, uh, you know, how many games that they have lost despite winning, uh, despite shooting very well. You know, they'll they'll go out and shoot very well some games and lose a lot of them. You're 8-14 and when you have one of the best three-point percentages in the league. A very sad situation. A lot of sad situations here in Pistons land. But uh, one of them was not the assist-to-turnover ratio, ratio good situation there. 25 assists and 11 turnovers. A team that's been very good offensively since Blake Griffin returned and kind of not that bad defensively as well after a rough start to the season on the defensive end. Although we know that the competition as of late and really all season has something to do with that. The competition was the issue on Wednesday. The story, as usual, against Milwaukee was Giannis Antetokounmpo, 35 points and 9 rebounds. He went 4 of 8 from 3-point land, and when he does that, you know that it's a wrap. Chris Middleton had 17. I'm not a Middleton guy, but especially when you consider that he's being cast as the second-best player on a supposed contender. And they're, they're a contender, I shouldn't say supposed. That's a little bit of a slap on the face. Slap in the face, on the face, to the face, wherever your face slaps you prefer. Uh, Chris Middleton, though, man, um, you know, the Team USA this summer – the big contract, 
know he's got the, some history with the Pistons, and I know maybe uh, his actions on Wednesday night have something to do with maybe my colored perception of what uh, Chris Middleton is right now. But anyway, let's move on from there. I thought Eric, I thought Eric Bledsoe was very good tonight, 13-6-6, six, six, did the job for the Milwaukee Bucks, no doubt about that. But the Pistons will play host to the Indiana Pacers on Friday. Why not just play them again, knock out that fourth game of the season between these two teams, the, the final time the Pistons and Pacers will meet. Pistons hold a season advantage, 2-1 to one, over the Pacers right now. Indy played tonight in Oklahoma City, so it will be equal rest for these teams before Friday night's game. And actually a better overall situation for the Pistons because Indy will have traveled late here tonight on Wednesday, early Thursday. Actually, uh, the problem is that that team is red hot. As predicted by this podcast host, by the way, before the season started, we will talk plenty more about the Indiana Pacers tomorrow heading into the weekend. But after that, the Pistons will play Monday at New Orleans against the Zion williamson Liss Pelicans. And then nothing until after that until a week from today. So a couple days off as they travel to Mexico City to take on Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks in what is supposed to be a home game for the Pistons. But instead it is south of the border and then coming back home uh, towards home. And, and playing in Houston on Saturday night after that. So it's starting to get tough, and you're 8-14. and 14. Not great, Bob. Not a great situation for the Detroit Pistons right now. But up next, my three big takeaways from this one, the loss of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's coming up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Yes, sir! The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a little bit later on, I'm going to have my thoughts on an exiting tenant from Little Caesars Arena but first, let's get to the three biggest takeaways from Tuesday night. I'm sorry, Wednesday night's loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll start with a couple honorable mentions, a little bonus content for you guys free, and be sure to tip your waitress on the way out. But the first honorable mention is shout out to the fan who drank the beer after Langston Galloway fell into him near courtside there. If you're listening or know that dude, get in touch with me. We'll have you on as the fan of the first quarter of the season. So very exciting when uh, Detroit fans show their commitment to the beer drinking. We really appreciate that. So here's to you, courtside guy who sipped the beer after uh, Langston Galloway nearly fell into him. If you didn't see that clip, you can find it on Twitter. It's everywhere. But uh, the second honorable mention was the post-game interview with Giannis Antetokounmpo, as uh, quoted from the Associated Press article that I wrote. Or I'm sorry, not not wrote, read. Uh, I didn't write. I was not at the game. But uh, I kind of, at first, I kind of called it the most hold me back interview I've ever seen. We all know NBA fights are, uh, Jalen Rose kind of coined the term, the hold me back NBA fights, and everyone does it. So it's it's kind of uh, past a joke at this point, now just the reality of all these situations. But I thought that Giannis had, at first, I was thinking that he had the first hold me back interview of all time. And I was kind of going to lay into him a little bit and criticize him some, but I thought it over, not going to. Uh, life is too short to criticize people for not fighting. And, I, and I'm not saying he should have fought, but I just thought that these comments were a little bit funny in terms of, uh, oh, I would have done something. But uh, and then at the, after the game, I retweeted this on my feed um, from the Bucks official site. He gave a little girl 
in an Antetokounmpo jersey at LCA, his signed shoes, and took a picture with her. So I had a little soft spot for you love that stuff with the kids and all that. But here's the comments from Antetokounmpo after the game, the Greek freak. At first, I was trying to talk back, let them know that this is more than basketball. We can stop playing basketball and we can fight. At the end of the day, my teammates want me in the game. My teammates want me to keep my head in the game. And I was like, whatever. At this point, whatever. And Antetokounmpo did go on to say, they're just a great defensive team and just play really physical. They want to be physical. They want to be dirty. They want you to get out of your game. And whenever you come, and whenever you come in Detroit, you expect that, end quote. So, you know, in some ways, respectful of the Pistons saying, great defensive team. Really physical. That's what we want to hear. Not necessarily true uh, most nights, but I think it was true on this night against Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, kudos to the Pistons for being a little jacked up for this one. But uh, I just thought the uh, we, we we could stop playing basketball and we can fight. You know, I just the, the first time I read that and the first time I saw those comments tweeted out by a couple of uh, the Milwaukee Bucks beat writers that I was thinking, man, that's that's a little hold me back. Oh uh, yeah, we can fight if you want for a guy who obviously had no interest in it. In the uh, in, in on at at the time that it was happening, but again, we're not going to rip Giannis. He's a credit to the game, all that uh, good stuff, and, and and certainly a guy that um, you feel good about watching play. I mean, as he's a villain on the court in terms of the fact that he beats the crap out of the Pistons, so you always want to uh, do do work against him. And we'll talk about what I thought was the the strategy defensively against him, and whether I liked it or not here a little bit later. But the the second. Most important take. I'm sorry. This will be the third most important takeaway from this game, as Giannis draws honorable mention for the hold me back post game interview. But third most important thing is this is just another loss to the Bucks. The blowout numbers are everywhere. This is the tenth straight loss by the Pistons to the Milwaukee Bucks, including eight last year, four in the regular season, four in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, and again, most of them bl- blowout losses. At this point in those 10 games, the Pistons have lost by a composite of 192 points to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm a a math major, so I can figure out that 192 divided by 10 is 19.2 points per game that the Milwaukee Bucks are better than the Pistons. Almost 20. I mean, 20 is a huge blowout. That's the average of the times that the Bucks beat the Pistons. Going back game by game, 24-point margin on Wednesday, 14, a couple weeks back. Last year in the playoffs, 23, 16, 21, 35. And the regular season last year maybe was not as bad as certainly as the playoffs, maybe not as bad as it maybe we remember because we just remember the uh, the bee slapping that the uh, the Pistons got in the playoffs. But it was 10, 23, 3, and 23. I remember that three-point loss that the Pistons had at home to Milwaukee, a winnable game that they kind of blew before the Bucks became invincible against the Pistons. But if you're looking ahead, as you should be, the Pistons will return to action against the Bucks at home on February 20th. What's good about that, after two games of being the second half of back-to-back, this is actually the first game after the All-Star break. So you can imagine lots of Pistons will have a nice break over the All-Star break. Maybe not so much for guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton, who will be at the All-Star game, of course. Um, and, you know, Blake Griffin might be there, depending on how things shake down. Andre Drummond uh, putting up a decent case for making the All-Star game as well. But the best uh, thing working in both of those guys' favor is the fact that they're players in the Eastern Conference. So um, we'll see how that all comes down uh, down the road. But a nice day to, to circle on the calendar in terms of a, one more chance at home after the All-Star break to beat the damn Milwaukee Bucks. That would be a great way to start the stretch drive. Of course, we know the Pistons could be a much different-looking team at that point 
And speaking of, uh, and, and more of the reason that they need to capitalize on that game in particular at home after the All-Star break is the last game between these two teams is at Milwaukee on March 23rd. And guess what about that one? You guessed it. The second game of a back-to-back once again against the Bucks. Not only that, but listen to this. Home on a Sunday night against the Lakers at 6 p.m., LeBron James and Anthony Davis, yeah, they're pretty good. And then the next day at Milwaukee at 8 o'clock the next day. So less than 24 hours after they lose to the Lakers at home, uh, you know, injuries notwithstanding, uh, they have to hop on a plane and play less than 24 hours later for a tip-off against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the, and the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. That's the kind of thing we're talking about as the being the stretch run of games for the Pistons this year. And uh, also keep in mind, keep this one in your back pocket, the second-to-last game before the All-Star break, February 10th, at home against the Charlotte Hornets. And you know, like I talked about on yesterday's show, let's kill those streaks. Let's end the streaks against the Charlotte Hornets and the Milwaukee Bucks. Two chances left against Milwaukee, one against Charlotte. I want those streaks done by the time next season is getting started. But the second most important takeaway from this game is I've got the blueprint for you on how to get back to the playoff picture. The Pistons' remaining strength of schedule went down after this one, as you would know that the the, the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously the best uh, team in basketball, so when you get them knocked off the rest of your remaining schedule, uh, your, your strength of schedule goes down. So the Pistons have the 13th toughest remaining schedule in the league. Uh, Golden State, two games, three games with the Knicks, all that kind of stuff. So middle of the pack right now, but we know from watching this team and watching and knowing what the schedule was that it's really getting tougher from here on out. Uh, and what's what's stopping the Pistons most from being a playoff team at this point is their 3-7 and seven record against bad teams, and that's just inexcusable. Uh, like I said, that will be the top line of the obituary. Uh, you don't, you never expect to go undefeated against the bad teams. Uh, there's going to be some win losses to bad teams and wins against good teams and all that stuff. But what's not happening right now is the wins against the good teams. The Pistons are 0-4 in that realm as well. Uh, and we walk away from games like Wednesday night against the Bucks and say, well, you know, it's Milwaukee. But guess what? This Pistons team needs to start winning some kinds of games against good teams to balance out those seven losses that they have against bad teams. We figure the red-letter games, the Pistons might be you know, in those games and might go 500 or might even go a little bit over 500. But when you have seven losses to bad teams in the Eastern Conference, you got to make up for that with wins against good teams. So when we're talking about games coming up, against, uh, what we got, uh, Houston and Dallas, teams that are considered good in the Western Conference right now, coming up late late next week. you got to sneak some of those games. you got to win some of those, and not only just one, but several. I mean, you got to turn this ship around. 538.com has the Pistons at 32-50 and 50 for their projections right now. A 17% chance of making the playoffs. That sounds a little bit low to me, given mostly the Eastern Conference and the tenuous nature of teams like the Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic at the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff standings right now. But, man, this team has to turn it around and turn it around big. But how about a positive to end the three biggest takeaways? The biggest takeaway that I have is this Pistons team showed some damn fight, and I liked it, and I know you guys liked it too. You win two straight games of 30 or more over the San Antonio Spurs and Cleveland Cavaliers teams that are fighting it right now. But the Pistons were fighting it. On Wednesday night, if you listen to this show, you know that I'm into it. I, I'm more couldn't be more predictable. Six technical fouls. I liked Derrick Rose playing some defense early, the two-way game. I liked Blake Griffin getting in Gian, Giannis Antetokounmpo's grill a couple times. Uh, we know Blake flops quite a bit, 
through the elbow and that slow motion that we saw uh, there. I didn't think that was the most devastating elbow in the world. Uh, Giannis may have sold that one a little bit, but uh, and, and you know, touching Giannis over as he as he kind of falls, um, Giannis looks like kind of a broken man because he clearly knew in his mind he shouldn't have done anything to retaliate. Credit to him for not retaliating to that. Begrudgingly, I will give him some credit for that. But uh, good to see Blake Griffin bringing it, setting a tone. He challenged this team a few games ago, and this team is responding to that. He is responding to that as a leader. Um, you know, it's it's not goonery. It's not thuggery from the Pistons right now. It's just good, tough ball. I like the comments from Antetokounmpo knowing that he's going to have a tough game coming into Detroit. And I like this team adopting that persona a little bit. Now, obviously, you'd rather see good and consistent defense in that in and night out more so than uh, after things after the whistle or acting like tough guys with some hold-me-back type stuff. But we'll take what we can get at this point. Blake Griffin is a guy who's serious about playing hard, who's serious about putting his himself on the line, uh, diving all over the floor. And, you know, kudos to Andre Drummond wasn't a guy who was wrapped up in any of this stuff, and that's all right for him too. But a guy, uh, an Andre, who's playing defense and playing it well, throughout this season, throughout this early going, having a lot of energy and playing well on that end. We've talked about the decision-making issues with him, but uh, at least he's getting it done from a, uh, a tough guy standpoint. We like to see that, and that's why we love guys, or I love guys, like Bruce Brown and other guys who seem to be not afraid of the moment and not afraid of big situations like this. And, and even though this was a another big loss for the Pistons to the Bucks, maybe, just maybe, a little bit of the tide has turned with uh, Blake Griffin kind of leading the way for this team and showing that they will not back down. And I would say overall, this latest stretch of games after the sweep to the Charlotte Hornets and the comments from Blake Griffin afterwards about this team enjoying the victories but not loving the fight, that maybe the fight has been recaptured a little bit, giving us a little bit of hope that maybe this team could finish the 2019 portion of this calendar and this uh, first part of the season in a positive way for the rest of December to give us a little bit of hope about possibly seeing the playoffs. Although, like we've talked about, big picture-wise, I'm still on team rebuild. And we'll see how it all shakes down with the rest of this year and the early part of 2020 as well. But up next, we're going to talk about an, the exiting tenant from LCA. And I got some thoughts on that. That's next here on the Lockdown Pistons Podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team, every day. But hey, are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it right before it happens? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash into your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So, If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, mybookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Just forget about all your cares. Throw a little bit of dough on your favorite team this season. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a $1,000 deposit. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra one grand in free money to play with. And uh, if you're a math major, the one grand will get you another grand as well. 
Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Kid Rock's Made in Detroit restaurant took a hike from Little Caesars Arena, the contract with LCA is expiring this spring and they announced that they are not going to renew it. Kid Rock had uh, a statement put out kind of complaining about the lack of support in Detroit. We know there was been has been some speeches outside of the restaurant in LCA, the Made in Detroit there. So to me, it's good riddance. Uh, when I went to LCA for the first time and everyone that I've went to a game with as a fan we always walk by the Maiden Detroit and kind of laugh about it and say, hey, we're never going there. You know, it's obviously not for me. So uh, we always check out all the other establishments, check check out all the other places with the uh, the Founders Brewery, which uh, after I ordered the sandwich, I was like, oh, yeah, they got their own issues in terms of the political and racial realm right now. But uh, just um, good to see, in my opinion. I know that uh, Kid Rock opened up LCA with five or six shows, and I know there's probably some listeners here that are fans of Kid Rock and maybe even some Trump supporters out there, although I know the NBA community by and large is not really a Trump-friendly community. And uh, if you listen to this show before, and I don't like to talk about politics, there's no real reasons to, to bring it up here on the show for the most part. But, uh, man, uh, and, and I'll say this. Uh, in 2013, I lived in Springfield, Missouri, and Kid Rock was – touring and stopped at JQH Arena in Springfield, Missouri, and I dragged along one of my buddies. Neither of us are big Kid Rock fans, but I, would, I did go to a concert because it was me supporting a, a Michigan artist, supporting a, a Detroit-area artist who was coming through my town. So we went and had a good time, drank a bunch of beers, and all the songs you know, the ba with the ba, all that stuff. I'm not going to name any more. But, hey, by the way, that you know we all do secretly, except if you're on a podcast talking about, well, we all like this Cheryl Crow song. We all probably uh, pump that jam a little bit sometimes when you maybe go through a breakup or something like that. But uh, I'll put your picture away. You know the jam. But, uh, yeah, too bad about that. But um, not too bad about Kid Rock's Made in Detroit being gone from Little Caesars Arena. And I'll just say this. At some point, this became a career choice for Kid Rock where he drew a line in the sand, saw an opportunity with the divisiveness in this country, and jumped hard on the Trump side, jumped hard onto the racism and has reaped the benefits in a lot of ways. I know people that are Trump supporters that in no way would go to a Kid Rock concert, but only go to it because he's their guy. You know, he's the, he's the Trump guy at this point. That's obviously not me and obviously not my, my sensibilities, but the, con- the, the, the issue with that, the contrast of that is you've alienated a large portion of your potential fans and a large portion of your potential customers at Little Caesars Arena. I have nothing inherently against the Made in Detroit restaurant. I don't know anything about what they serve in terms of food or drinks. I just know that there's no freaking chance that I was ever going to go there. I actually, just this Monday, I was at the Red Wings game with some friends, 
And we walked by and made the comments about, yeah, there's no chance I'll ever go in there. So I'd be interested to know what their sales numbers are like uh, in that restaurant compared to the rest of the Little Caesars Arena at large. And uh, I don't know if this is going to signal other issues for some of the other tenants at Little Caesars Arena. I would imagine that in the first few years of the facility that most of the restaurants and most of the establishments are disappointed overall with the amount of people that go into that arena. Obviously, we know most of that's because of the lack of success for the Red Wings and the Pistons. But, yeah, I wonder if this is kind of the tip of the iceberg of an overall problem economically with the places that are the tenants of Little Caesars Arena. But for now, we'll just chalk this up as an isolated instance that has something to do with uh, Kid Rock and the personality and the culture when it comes to people that are just wanting to have fun and go to games and keep uh, people who are strongly leaning one side or the other politically and uh, how that may help them in their career in some ways. Uh, They go on tour, they probably sell more tickets in certain parts of the country, including Michigan at large, but in some ways that's going to hurt you, and that should be okay. That's democracy, that's uh, voting with your dollars, that's uh, doing the things that you feel like you need to do with your sensibilities, and uh, nothing wrong with that. So democracy takes care of this situation, and I'm glad to see Kid Rock's Made in Detroit leave Little Caesarina. If you got some thoughts on that, go ahead. If you're on the other side of this debate, or not really a debate, but the other side of this issue, I would say, uh, go ahead and give us a call, 810-666-1546. Tell me I'm full of crap and uh, why we should petition to bring Kid Rock back to Little Caesars Arena. I don't think you'll have much of an argument, but hey, go ahead and try. So this is your boy Matt Shook, the host of Locked on Pistons podcast, saying thanks for listening. Let's beat the Bucks someday before we all die, and uh, we'll see if that ever happens. But we'll talk to you guys tomorrow talking about Indiana, and we'll take you into the weekend with Friday's show here on the Locked on Pistons podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.